This is a podcast. This is where we play Dungeons and Dragons. That's really hard to say sometimes. Why? I don't Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. D and D. That's what we play. Mm-hmm. An actual play, fifth edition <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Let's get on with it. I just want to say all the things. I just don't them. care what order. Okay. Welcome to Make Believe Heroes, an actual play, 5th edition, family-friendly Dungeons & Dragons adventure. I'm Paul, Dungeon Master, the host of this here D&D show, and I'm joined again today by my friend Alicia. What's up, everybody? What's up? What's up, y'all? No, please. No. (laughs) This is Felicia, and I play Misk. You do play Misk. Misk Iso Da. Did you tell him where that came from? Mosky Soda? No. You didn't tell him? Jeremy didn't ask me. He didn't ask you? Y'all didn't have enough time to get through all the questions. He didn't ask me all kinds uh, of questions. Yeah, that was... So, yeah. I'll tell you what. You could probably... Let's do that now. Let me ask you... One of the, We had a lot of questions, uh, by the way. Thank you all for all the questions that came in for the Q&A episode. Hope that you have enjoyed that. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, you should go listen to it right now. If you asked a question and it did not get asked, I have stored some of those back for our end of the season Q&A episode, which, by the way, we're not far from the end of the season, y'all. About to get real. Things are crazy. Anyhow, one we can just go ahead and take care of right now. Uh, It was a question we got from a couple people was, where did you get the inspiration for your name, Misk? (laughs) I believe that the question, uh, one of the people that asked the question asked if it came from the word miscellaneous. Like, they thought that there might be a connection oh, there, which is that. cool. I can see, like, miscellaneous. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's getting pretty miscellaneous in here. Uh, but no, it wasn't that. So uh, why don't you tell them where it came from? Uh, so I was working, mm-hmm. and I was at break, mm-hmm. and you texted me I did about my character. And I was like, okay. I don't know about a name. And I was sitting there drinking a ski, or dr- eating a honey bun and drinking a ski. Okay. Like, that's my yes. break time things. Like a ski, by the way, just so everyone knows, ski is a, a soft drink, a soda. So good. It's local to us. Growing up, there was a bottling company in Greensburg, which is the county seat of the county that we live in, that bottled and produced ski, which is kind of like a more tart version of something like Mountain Dew. Mm-hmm. It's not as sweet. It's good. Um, Super good. Especially people around here and then people that come here and try it, you know, they just want it. Anyway, Coke bought it out years ago, but it's still pretty local. You can only get it within so many miles of our county and this part of the state and all of those things. Uh, so that is what ski is, in case you're like, what in the world is this <laughs> ski? We will learn you today, mm. people. Learn, we're going to learn you. <laughs> yeah, we're about to oh, learn you man. big. Oh, yeah. Uh, but you asked me and I was like, I don't know. So I'm looking at that can, and mm-hmm. I'm looking at the ingredients, and then there was a website, and it said, My Ski Soda. And I'm like, oh, dude, I can totally make that into a name. So literally, if you look at my name, Miss Ski Soda, it's My Ski Soda. <laughs> and I remember when I texted you that, you were like, oh, my gosh. Which, My Ski Soda, isn't that like a slogan or something for it? Wasn't that I, a thing? I don't know. I think it's their website. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. There was some sort was of a so funny. promotional thing. They did Mosky Soda. Yeah, Mosky yeah, Soda. Yeah, that's, 
<laughs> misk and Paul's like, I gotta say it to where it's not like mask. Yeah, it doesn't need to be misk ski soda or, or yeah. whatever. It's like misk isoda. But I and, love it. And Saul, I see. That's funny. Saul, Jeremy, uh, <laughs> got that whole weird sort of three name thing going on with the non hills and uh, devils of that nature and stuff, which is Satsaris and Serastus, his their father. He kind of started that whole thing. And I was like, yeah, I really like that. It's kind of exotic. So I said we wanted to kind of carry that through. It would be cool to have something weird like that. And then she had that idea. It was also, I would say, partly inspired by Jeffrey. Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Uh, Because when I figured that out, I I flipped out. Yeah, I'm not sure where Kjorg came from. It it could even just be like one of the recommended names or suggested org (laughs) names in the player's handbook or something like that. Or it could just be some random noise that he made. But, you know, like Vance... I mean, I think we've said this on the show. I think we have. But Vance off the wall is Vans off the wall. <laughs> like the shoes. He literally seen a sticker or something literally, on a laptop? We're in Jeremy's <laughs> kitchen. We're about to go record for possibly doing a and d podcast very early on. We recorded those first two episodes. And I was like, dude, your paladin needs a name. What's his name? And he's like throwing random. He's looking around the room at random products. Trying to pick a name. And I was using my wife's uh, MacBook Pro and had a sticker. It's just like a whole Q&A episode we're doing here. Anyway, we're going to hurry through this. (laughs) (laughs) We need to play D&D. But there's a sticker on the back of it for some vans that she bought. You know, the vans off the wall. And he's like, vans off the wall. And I don't remember if he said it this way or I said it this way or if it was just like both of us. And I was like, sir, Vance. He said, Vance. And I was like, okay. He said, Vance off the wall. And I'm like, okay, sir, Vance off the wall. There we go. You're done. Let's go record. I'm done. And then I think one day I seen that and I thought, oh my gosh, is that where it came from? And Paul's like, yes. Someone tweeted at us one time. was like, I found Sir Vance and it was just a a picture they had taken of like the outside of some store and they had drawn a circle around Vance off the wall. They'd written (laughs) sir beside it, sir, Vance off the wall. Yeah. So thank you, Jeffrey, for that. And Jeremy for your weirdness. And yeah. (laughs) Misk Isodot. Let's roll a giant blue D20. Let's do it. Wow. So things are not going great for me personally. I cannot understand why uh, yeah. that just happened. I rolled two last time. This time it's a three. Hmm. So let me give you a quick recap. Last time on Make Believe Heroes. Misk is in Branchire. They arrive there. She's staying in the second house and she's held under lock and key by some of the hot feet working for... Troll and Littlefoot. <laughs> yes. Those working for the Shiv. Meanwhile, the other three, uh, some hours later, there's a little bit of wonkiness with our timeline here just because of us finding time to record and different things. Anyhow, that actually took place in the middle of the night between episodes 19 and 20, which is perfect with the last one. We're about to do the follow-up to that, which is still taking place in the middle of the night between episode 19 and 20. So we already know where the rest of our characters are a little ahead of where we're going to go here in just a second, but that's okay. The day moved on. They traveled from the base on a wagon through uh, the hills along the road headed toward Branchyar. There was some rain. Cure got himself a bear pelt with some claws. Claws. So cool. They met one of the guards there at um, Branchyar. And upon coming to Branchyar, Misk, along with the others, noticed that the place is overrun. People are spilling outside the walls, staying in, in tents. It's, it's cramped. It's overpopulated. There's a bad smell in the air. Things are just in poor state in Branchyar. But our party makes their way through. They actually went to see Braxton Tarek, spoke with him, and they're going to be staying at 
the first house, the mayor's home with Braxton. They're going to have supper there later that evening. And I believe they were heading out to go and touch base with some friends. Zahn is somewhere in the city as well. And that's where we'll be picking up with them. But for now, Misk, you are making your way across the core. You've stepped out of the second house and you're crossing actually all the way across the center of the city making your way toward the mayor's home. You are walking alongside the Shiv, as well as a few of his halfling employees, let's say, that are making their way with him. It is late. There's basically no one moving around or staring here in the core. It's in the middle of the night, kind of like it was the night before. You, you've noticed that the Shiv likes to move around when it's really dark outside. I you know? wonder why, because he's a sleazeball. Yeah, it's telling a little about his personality. But, you know, it's probably three maybe even between three and four in the morning. Everyone in the city, for the most part, is asleep uh, or just going to be waking up here in the next hour or two. So as you guys walk across the core, you come to the door of the first house, and you know that this is the first house. I mean, it's obvious. It's the biggest, but you saw it when you were here when the third house was burning down and stuff. The Shiv steps up onto the large porch of this beautiful, it almost looks like a very fancy farmhouse, you know, uh, it's got the front porch of a farmhouse, and he steps up onto the porch, walks over to the door, opens it, and just steps in like he owns the place. Shiv, don't you think you should knock? Uh, there's no need for that. Come on in. Let's go. Uh, okay. So the five of you walk into the front door, and uh, the Shiv motions for you to follow him. You begin walking up the stairs. You notice someone standing off to the right. Uh, it's in like an older man. Seems like an older man. He looks almost a little bit familiar to you, but you don't really have time to stop because everyone's going upstairs and you have to go with them. And he just sort of peeks around the corner, sees you all traveling through and turns around and goes back down the hallway like, eh, not going to get involved in this. <laughs> and uh, you all make your way up the second floor and then to the third floor. And he turns to the right and there is a, a nice door there and uh, he opens it. It's unlocked. As he's opening this door, though, he gives a little knock, not like a knock and wait, but just like a turn the handle, knock, and step in, kind of like you did when he came and got you from your room. And you all step inside. It is this very nice like sitting area. There are couches and all these things. It's, think like a like a living room. But off to the right side, there is a desk and uh, like some papers spread out. And there is a man sitting at the desk with lanterns. There's lamps and such lit all around. It's very well lit in here, even though it is the middle of the night. You all step inside, and you, as you step through, you look over and you see a man sitting there. Very well-dressed, very handsome man. Right now, he's wearing sort of a late-night robe. Looks like, you know, comfortable clothes. Purple, dark purple and black. And he looks up to see you all as you step in. Ah, hello, Shiv. Welcome. Uh, see that you've brought your friend with you. Misk, you know this to be Braxton Tarek, the mayor of Branshire. What is going on? Why are you here? Ah, uh, Misk. That's enough. Just... Hold. And Braxton stands up. Oh, no, it's it's quite all right. Misk, we've met. You were involved in the rescue uh, of the people there in the third house. You know, I, I went to find you thereafter, and you and your friends were gone. Where have you been? We, I think the question here is, why are you talking to this guy? Why are you talking to Shiv? Oh. You, you need to get someone to arrest him. You don't need to be talking to him. No offense, Shiv, but you're kind of a bad guy. <laughs> what do you What do you mean, Misk? Why would I have him arrested? I, I don't understand. Is there something that I should know about? He's He works with the hot feet. 
Shiv just sort of stops. He takes, he raises his hand up to his face. He rubs his eyes. Misk, did I or did I not tell you that I had some business in Branshire? Yeah, but Braxton has, he's not our men have been tasked, or rather, let's say, hired by the mayor here. He's expecting some trouble in the next few days, and he had heard of our prowess in combat, and so he has asked us to come along and help with the situation in Branshire. Yes, yes, that is certainly true. I have hired these men to help me out. Surely you can understand. It's simply a business proposition. It's not my job to know what uh, Mr. Shiv does in his spare time or regularly on his business and all the rumors about the criminal activity of the hot feet. Well, rumors insubstantiated, if I might say. And the Shiv just kind (laughs) of chuckles. Please, Miss, have a seat. We're we're just going to talk. I know it's it's very late, but from what I understand, you've been sleeping most of the day. Had plenty of rest, right? Yes, because I had no visitors. I wasn't allowed to leave. And you're just going to let this guy, you know, work for you. And he's like awful. You need to get him Misk, out of here. That will be enough. <laughs> have a seat and wait to speak. Misk isn't just going to sit down, so... He motions to a chair. What do you do? I'm not sitting here. Sit down. I need you to make me a wisdom saving throw. Oh, dang. Okay. (laughs) That's a five. That ain't good. You have a piercing pain in your head, ringing in your ear, right in your temple. Not this again. Here, here, have a seat. You seem to be having some discomfort. Yeah, it's because you. No, it's because of you, Misk. Have a seat. We've had this discussion. Have a seat. I sit down. Okay. Well, now that we have all that unpleasantness behind us, Misk, I'm sorry if you seem to be having some discomfort, but we, uh, we do have some business to discuss. Here in just, well, less than two days now, we'll be looking at the end of the seven-day festival of the rising sun. And I am planning something extravagant. A parade. A big show. Okay. Why do you need the hot feet? Well, unfortunately, I have received some information recently from a friend of mine that, I don't know if you know this... Unfortunately, there are some people in the city who are, let's say, dissatisfied with my leadership. Mm. And from what I hear, they are planning to try and disrupt things on the last day. And the last thing I would want is such ugliness to come into play on this, the festival that highlights the city of Branshire each year. And as it's my first festival as the operating mayor of this city, I want it to go well. And so I've asked the Shiv and his men to make sure that there are no great skirmishes or disruptions during the last day. I would hate for the parade to go sour. That's where you come in, Misk. I believe that you have just the star power that I need to really give the festival the final punch it needs. I want you to be the focal point of our parade. What? What do you think about that? The Shiv tells me that you're pretty good with a loot. Really? You told him that? I did. Is it not true? I mean, I know it. It's true. I'm awesome. She's great with a loot. Um, and she would be more than happy to assist. Well, not going to be happy. But it looks like I can't do anything without this stinking headache. Misk, 
We've talked about this. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Well, I, I can promise that you will be compensated for your work. I have gold to spare. This is your opportunity to help make a name for yourself, Misk. I've already made a name for myself. I've already had that. Sure. And look where that got me. Yes, your name is well known throughout Brightport. I've even heard it in my travels. You know, I, I came through that way just a few years ago. Uh, and I know how Brightport is. They they can pick out a star. And from what I hear, it wasn't too long ago that you were almost a household name in that city. How would you like to be a household name in Branshire? I'm not interested. Well, regardless, I do need your help. And since I don't think the Shiv wants you on the battlefield, I feel that your uh, skills would be much more appropriate for a show. What do you think? I think what we really need on the final day of the festival, approaching the close of the parade, the end of all of these festivities, the festival of the rising sun, we need a good distraction. You're shady. <laughs> I'm so mad right now. I don't, I can't, I can't turn him down. You can't. Listen, I... I'm going to help you just for the well-being of my mind because I don't know how much longer I can take that sharp pain going through my brain. I don't know. I, I'm going to do it, but that's only because I have to. I absolutely cannot say no. Braxton stands up from his seat behind his desk. He walks over to you, and he sort of sits on the front part of the top of his desk there, and he leans towards you and puts a hand on your shoulder, like a soft, comforting hand. Misk, let's not make this unpleasant. I'm simply offering you a job. It's a chance for you to get your name out there, to sing, to perform. I can see it in you. We're kindred spirits. You love the spotlight, don't you? You love being out there, hearing the cheers and the clap of the crowd. Sing a song for us, Misk. Let your words be the final things heard as the sun sets on the seventh day of the festival. And Branshire will thank you for it, and I'll pay you handsomely. It's a win-win for everyone. Hmm. He stands again. Shiv, I think that we have a deal. We could iron out the details as we draw a little closer, you and I, but Misk, I will have a loot brought to the second house. You can practice all that you'd like, prepare. Just let us know anything that you need. Of course, we'll decorate a beautiful float uh, for you to ride upon and stand on while you sing for the crowds of Branshire. We'll parade you around Circle Street. It's going to be phenomenal. I don't want any guards around my door. Well, I don't want chains on my door. If I'm going to do this for y'all, then you're not going to treat me like a slave. Shiv, you already know I'm stuck with you. I can't do anything about it. And if I try to, it hurts me. So why not just give me a little leeway so I can actually breathe? I'm not going to be able to make music just in my room. I'm going to need some scenery and some inspiration. Like, I, I can't just sit in there all day making this up. So come on, you give me that, and I'll do this without any complaints. Braxton looks at the Shiv. Their eyes meet for a second. And in that pause, I need you to roll me a persuasion check. Ooh. Oh, it's a seven. <laughs> so that's a, your persuasion is plus five. So that's a 13. Oh. All right, Misk. I'll have the guards removed from your door. But if you go out into the city, I'm going to need to send someone with you. 
not to guard you, just to, you, you can't expect me not to protect my investment. It's a dangerous place right now here in Branshaw. You may have noticed there are a number of people here who cannot be trusted. So for your sake and for my peace of mind, not a guard, uh, not a uh, soldier or an assassin, but someone who can go with you. Consider them just to be a traveling companion. I'll remove the guards from your door, but if you go out of the second house, just take them with you. A chaperone, if you will. Is that acceptable to you? Yeah, that's fine. All right. I'll take care of that. All right. Well, that sounds good to me. I'm glad we got all of this unpleasantness worked out. I don't love confrontation, but... How about we call it a night? I'm sure, Misk, that you're almost ready for some sleep. You know, get back on schedule. And I know you have lots of practicing preparing to do. Yeah, apparently. The Shiv and Braxton shake hands. You all turn. And the Shiv leads you back out of the first house and across the yard of the core. You find yourselves back outside the first house. The rain has mostly stopped. It's still cooler than it should be, and everything is soaking wet, and it's cloudy, but the rain has at least slowed to a pretty much a stop. You might get the occasional drizzle, but for the most part, it's clear compared to the way it has been uh, since you got back into town. What would the three of you like to do? Uh, hey, hey, Make Brackle. some plans. Brackle. <laughs> so, I say we go to that uh, the barley barley barrel. Say we check on uh, check on a uh, place to sell those pelts we had earlier. Maybe see what Zahn's up to. But um, but um, I think uh, I think we're in a good spot for tonight, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I think so. We can uh, check on Bridget if I can. Uh, we can do that after we cut his throat. Uh, sure. I mean, I'm as eager to do that as anyone. But we might want to try to get some questions about this. This plan, I mean, cut off the head, the body might still wriggle its way through. Okay, so we'll just slit his wrist instead. Good plan, and we can get the questions while he's bleeding out. I like it. <laughs> wow. I thought we were going to, like, challenge him or something. Oh, don't worry, Jorg, you'll, you'll get the chance. I'm sure he'll not go down without a fight. That, that wasn't the point. The point is to kill him. What do you mean, what is the point? The po- I was going to challenge him. You want to challenge him? Yeah. Open open combat. Yeah. I'll tell you what. You let me and Brackle question him, and then we'll let you fight him. Okay. Okay. Saul has no intention of letting him fight him. He totally intends to murder him before Kjorg does. Okay, but you told Kjorg that? No, 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 no. I'm just saying that to the DM. And for... <laughs> to the listeners. To the listeners that... Okay. Even though... And I just want to make it very abundantly clear... I've never played a game where characters have to contest one another in, like, <laughs> wisdom saves and deception rolls than you two. You two characters. Um, I'm so okay. sorry. So sorry. But I'm not going to make you roll it. I'm just going to assume that basically everything you say, Kjorg assumes is a lie. I just said okay, so. Oh, did you believe it? Okay. That's fine. I'm not a very smart man. What's your wisdom like, though? Wisdom? Yeah. Not very wise. So, what are you? Just super strong? I'm a strong guy. So strong. So the three of you make your way back towards Circle Street, or what do you do? Okay, so the only thing is that we were saying we were going to Lelia's, like, stand in the Barley Barrel. 
Okay, so you guys make your trek across the core. You leave the first house, you pass the second house, the library, the Temple of Palor, and all of its splendor is over there to one side. And you head back uh, through the inner wall. So you guys make your way. You cross through the inner wall, and just like it was when you were heading in this direction, the closer you get to Circle Street, immediately it becomes more congested once again. It's shoulder-to-shoulder. Crowd is is really pressed in. It's, it's just like it was when you came through with Greg. There are tons of people. Most of them seem a little grumpy, but you feel that the three of you on foot should be able to make your way through town and head on Circle Street over toward where you expect Lelia's booth should be. And I would say amongst the three of you that Brackle would definitely be the one that would most know the location of said booth. So I take them to the booth, the said booth. Okay. You head in that direction, and like I said, you're traveling through. You see some people selling things, meats, weapons, things you would expect to see. There are a few little shacks selling like agricultural goods and things, but not nearly as much as you have seen in past years. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you do see the occasional local, but most of the people that you see do tend to be foreigners. You're traveling through. You hear a lot of arguing. You see a couple of people, like kind of like earlier, see some people shoving each other. You guys are walking along. Everybody, roll me a perception check. Yeah, let's roll in dust. <laughs> I got a three. Me too. Okay. Did you really? Yeah. I got a 24, nat 24, in fact. Oh, boy, Brackle. Brackle man. sees the eyes of the sun looking at him from the, the galaxy. <laughs> okay, the three of you are, are walking along, and off down one alley, kind of off to the side, you hear someone cry out in pain. Sounds like... Oh, I don't. A lady. <laughs> no, Brackle hears it. My ears perk up, and... It sounds, it sounds like a struggle. I immediately jump into action, approach in the shadows. Okay. So there's no shadows, but there are a lot of people. So you could kind of hunker down and try to blend in with the crowd and make your way in that direction. I make my way downtown, walking fast, faces past them, homebound. Yes. Do you say anything to your compatriots? I I just kind of gesture. Give them the signal. Give them the signal like something's happening over here. What? What? What is it, Brackle? What's going on? Quiet, I'm going to try to approach without being seen. Quiet, he says. <laughs> <laughs> What's he approaching? I'm going to try to follow in Brackle's footsteps the same way he's going. Okay. Stealthily? Yeah. yeah. Brackle, I'm going to say with your nat 20, you don't need to roll a stealth check. You are one with everything. Uh, I'm going to need one from you, though, Saul. Well, I got an 18 on the dice, and my stealth is oh, that's That's good. great. Kjorg, what do you do? I'm following him, but I'm not stealthing. No, you're just pushing through? Yeah. People are bouncing off of you. People are cussing at you. Somebody throws some fried corn at the back of your head. <laughs> Stuff like fried that. Corn. Do you just continue forward? Eat that corn. I might eat that corn. <laughs> Catch that corn and eat it. You're pushing through. It takes you a little bit just to kind of push through all these people. But, Brackle, you head directly toward said alleyway. And as you approach, there's like a corner booth set up there with someone selling what looks to be farm equipment like not like tractors, but, you know, like... There's a caterpillar there. Long sickles and pitchforks and things like that. Uh, look like the kind of stuff that a farmer uh, would be able to use, but it's the guy sitting at the desk there as a dwarf selling those wares. And you kind of duck down beside and look over to the side. And looking down in the back alley, you see a hooded figure with a... Actually, you see two hooded figures, and they have a young lady, um, like, pinned to the wall by her throat with a dagger pressed up to her neck. 
I approach again quickly but stealthily. Okay. Draw my sword and okay. attempt to extend it in front of one of their throats. So you're going to try and attack them? No, I'm going to extend it and hold it there and say... Oh, I see. When you said, I thought you said through. No, no. <laughs> in, their throats. in front of. Yes, through their neck. I see. You want to kind of slip up behind one and press your, your blade to his throat. Yes, the one who has the girl. Okay, one has the girl and one has the knife. I'm going to say okay. the one closest to you has the knife. I'll go for the knife then, the, the knife guy. All right. He's not a knife guy. Uh, roll it. What am I rolling? Um, I'll just roll stealth. It's fine. <laughs> Is it a one? Is it a one? It's a two, but seven modified. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Again, just riding piggyback off that natural 20, because I feel like there should be rewards, is I'm going to give you advantage on this roll. So now I have a 12 total. Okay, so 12 is a little better. Let me... I'll just use this passive, and that's actually going to beat it. Word. I'll double check, but I'm, I'm almost 100% sure that that's... Uh, yeah, his wisdom modifier is a zero. So. All right, so with a 12, you beat his passive perception. You... Easily, maybe a more attentive person would have noticed, but you easily slip up behind him and pull the blade up to his neck. What do you say? I say, what's going on here, gentlemen? (laughs) Okay. The one with the sword stuck to his neck doesn't move his head, but he just kind of cuts his eyes at you. And the other guy, keeping the girl pinned by the throat, says, this is none of your concern. You'd be best to turn around and walk away. Quick question. Is the girl a local she is. You wouldn't necessarily know her by name, but it's someone that you've seen around. This is my concern, you filth. <laughs> Release the girl or lose your head. All right, Kjorg, you walk up and you see this scene happen as well, Saul, you too. Do either of you do anything while he's saying these things? Yeah, I'm pulling out my whip. Okay, you're saying these things and Kjorg kind of walks up from behind. He pulls out his whip. Do you crack your whip? Yeah. All right, roll me, <laughs> roll me an intimidation check. Boys... That is a 18. Oh, that's pretty good. You step up and crack your whip. And when you do, the guy that's got the girl by the throat, he looks up and sees you standing there. And the light is kind of behind you and you're in a dark alley. And I mean, you're like, what, six, nine or something? Mm-hmm. I'm really tall. What he sees is it looks like a giant bear man standing there <laughs> uh, with the ears and the fur and the crack of a whip. And he immediately lets go of the girl's throat and she kind of falls down because he had her up off of her feet, pinned to the wall. And she goes to take off running past you guys. And they're they're both so freaked out that they don't stop her. So I don't let go of my hold, though. Oh, sure. You got your blade on that guy's throat, and he's he's looking a lot more wide-eyed as he looks at the two, the three of you, I should say. You want to tell me what was going on here? What do you think was going on? It looked to me like you were threatening an innocent. L- look, you know, we, uh, the guy that's kind of standing back, the one that had her by the throat, he's like, maybe we should, maybe we should just go, man. We should just go. How many is there? Two. Mm. You're not going anywhere unless it's two... The cells. You ain't going anywhere. <laughs> look, 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 we're not going to. We're not going to any cells. And the guy that's that you've got the sword up next to his his throat, he's going to try and stab you with a dagger. Ooh, I would like to react. I would like to say, "Oh, you're right. You're not," and stick a knife in his back. You're not really that close to him, but Brackle has a sword up to his neck, 
So what we're going to do is we're going to contest attack rolls, Brackle and this guy. Okay. Kill him, Brackle. And I'm going to give you advantage because you literally have a sword at his neck. Okay. I have a feeling you're going to beat him. My attack roll is 18. Okay. His was a five total. He comes up to stab you with a dagger. What do you do? So let me try to get a visual here. Okay. I've got him like with my arm around his chest with my sword against his throat kind of sideways. Uh-huh. So my other arm is free. I had been using it to hold him. So I grab his arm with my other arm. So I've got his dagger and then I just slice the throat. Slice the throat. Okay. I mean, I'm going to call it a coup de gras. You literally had your sword up to his throat and he's just a dude. So you open his throat up. And when you do, (laughs) the other guy takes a staggering step back for the exit. No, Saul stabs him. Okay, Saul, we'll give you a chance to react right here. Mm. You say the other dude's going to run? He's running. He ain't going to run. He ain't going to run. I'm not going to use my venomous dagger. I'm just going to use my regular one. Oh, he's trying to go the other way. No, he's trying to run toward you. That's a non-natural 20. Okay, you hit him with your dagger. Roll me the damage. Like, I want to come up and, like, try to put it in his rib cage. That's for damage. Okay. You come at him. Oh, it's sneak attack, too, though. Yeah, it is. Roll it. 12 damage dagger just right up under his rib cage. Okay, you bring the dagger up under his rib cage, and when you do, he lets out a scream of sorts, and he falls to his knees and slides right up to Kjork's feet, and he's kind of turning over with the dagger stuck in his gut. I'm just going to stand over and make sure he doesn't go anywhere. He's not moving. I mean, he's kind of wriggling, but he's he's bleeding out his mouth. He's looking pretty rough. Are you guys going to ask him anything? Let's take him to the constabulary. <laughs> Let's cut off his ears and leave him here to die. It would just be like the city guard. Yeah. Then I have to say, although that's what we should do in better times, just do what you have to do, and I turn around. Oh, Saul's going to wreck him. Saul's going to cut his ears off in his throat. Okay, as Saul <laughs> bends down, cuts his throat, and cuts his ears off. No, you got that backwards. Ears first. Oh, jeez. Wow. Okay. He leans down and begins to cut the ears off this guy, and this guy begins screaming at the top of his lungs. Okay, no. I'm just going to, like, push Saul out of the way. Uh-huh. Or just try to, like, push him over. Okay. And then just kill the guy instead of letting him be tortured to death. Okay, Saul, <laughs> do you try and resist that in any way? No, I'm not resisting Kjorg. Okay, Kjorg pushes you out of the way, and then I'll just say you can reach down and break his neck. Pretty much incapacitated anyway, so there's yeah. no there's no stopping it. And you guys now have two dead bodies laying in the alleyway. Uh, I'm removing the ears. In better times, I would have left this to the guard, but I don't trust them right now. Not even Greg. So do we just leave these guys here? We should maybe... Okay, is there like barrels or sacks or trash or anything in this alley? Um, sure. We'll say there's probably some trash. Yeah. Hide them. <laughs> Let's hide them, and when all of this is sorted out, we'll talk to the town guards about this. Yeah, so much for laying low. <laughs> Saul, roll me a d20, just to see how you do on hiding them. Uh, it's a flat six. Do I get to add anything to it? Um, no, that's fine. Great. You hide them. They're hid. Kind of poorly. They're hidden. All right, you three, what do you do now? Do you leave the alley? Uh, from the opposite direction. <laughs> well, the opposite direction is a wall. Oh, okay. No, we leave the alley. Definitely. This is like a dead end alley. Is the victim or potential victim visible anywhere? She took off running into the crowd. She's been gone for a couple of minutes. Okay. I'm not going to worry about it then. Okay. Y'all head back on to Circle Street? I want to stealthily head back to Circle Street. I don't want exactly people to see me coming out of there. All right. Roll me a stealth check. That's 17 plus 4. 
21. Okay. Anybody else do anything like that, or are you just going to walk out? Nope, just walking out. Oh, Kjorg, the people's champion. Yeah. I'm the people's champion. All right, Kjorg and Brackle both walk back onto the street. and I join them after I see, you know, people aren't noticing, but I'm, that's what I'm waiting for. Sure. He slides back out and catches up with you all in the crowd. And you're making your press through the crowd. Things are not great, but you're making your way. After a short time, Brackle, you come to the spot where you and Lelia had set up the, the town booth to sell pelts and things like that. And when you get there, there is a booth, but there's nothing on it. <laughs> Some people are kind of like sitting on it or sitting around it. People have got their stuff sitting there as they're talking, but there's no sign of Lelia or any of them. Huh. Brack, it appears your uh, your your business has went under. Uh, that's the least of my current concerns right now. I just hope Lelia found a safe place to hide this out. Hmm. Where is the safe place that Lelia would go? To the barrel. To the barrel. Okay. To the mead. To the barrel. <laughs> okay. You guys continue your trek. You're walking through the crowd. You're heading that way. And, you know, it's more of the same. You see a few people getting into altercations. You see a lot of people yelling at each other. A lot of trash around. Things are just kind of... Feels like home. Ugly. Yeah. As you make your way over to the part of town where the barrel is located, there are a lot of people like pressed up against it. There are people standing in line to get in the door. Move, peasants. This place, <laughs> it's not that good. Get out of my way. You come up, and there's a few people standing there. Some of them kind of step back out of the way a little bit, intimidated by you. There is this really big guy standing there, and he kind of turns around. He's got, like, grayish skin. He's got, like, a big tusk coming up from his bottom lip. He's like, excuse me? I said, move, peasant. And whenever I say peasant, I want to, I'm going to thaumaturgy and like wreathe my head in purple flames for just a second. And I want to try to intimidate the guy to get the heck out of my way. Okay. Roll it. That's an eight plus five. Thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. He doesn't seem intimidated. He kind of steps up to you and he stands about a foot taller than you. He's looking down at you. He says, I don't really like being called a peasant. (laughs) I'm going to walk up and say, Hey, what's your name? He looks up at you. Well, he looks over at you. You guys are roughly the same size, and you would know that he's a half orc. And uh, when he sees you, he's like, huh, "Who's asking?" My name's Kjorg. Kjorg. The people's champion. Okay, is that supposed to mean something to me? Oh, it should. Should it? It could. <laughs> could it? It would. Would it? And he he reaches down. He pulls a club <laughs> off of his hip, and he's kind of patting it against his left hand, and he's like. I think maybe you guys should uh, move on down the street. We've been waiting in line all day. I think that I'm going to pull out my mace and start patting it in my hand. The mace of smiting. When you do, his nostrils kind of flare and he's like, Son, trust me, you don't want any of this. <laughs> That's what you think. He swings at you with his club. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, does a 20, yeah, a non-natural 20, that'll hit you, right? Yep. All right, he hits you with his club for four damage. So he takes a swing at your head, and uh, I'll say that you kind of bring an arm up to block it, but he kind of hits you in the the shoulder, like elbow to shoulder part, for four damage. You retaliate? Um, yeah. Okay, do it. Is that some kind of weak challenge? Gather around, folks, we got a challenge here. These two men are going to go at it one hit at a time. Come on, place your bets, place your bets. Come on, come on. Okay, so that's a... Oh, there it is, 19. 
Yeah, so that's going to be a hit. Um, real quick, Saul, roll me a, a performance check. Oh, that's 15. Okay, so you managed to get the attention of a few people. Mm-hmm. Most of them are just kind of ignoring you because they just can't be bothered to care about basically anything. But a few of them do kind of spread out, and there begins to be a circle kind of around you guys right in front of the barrel. And uh, Brackle, what are you doing? I'm kind of backing away from the whole thing. Okay. I'm going to try to get a look inside the windows to see what's going on inside. All right. We'll come back to that. Okay. That is a hit. So roll me that damage. It's nine. Okay. You get him pretty good with your swing. And the mighty cure bashes him across the chest. Gather around, folks. Gather around the people's champion, Cork. Cord. <laughs> the people's champion, Jorg, will show his skill. People aren't like cheering or anything, but people are kind of starting to talk. Like, oh, yeah, look at this. Hey, it's a fight. It's finally some excitement. You know, things like that. You hit him with your mace. What are you trying to do? You're just trying to cause damage? Yeah, just like in the chest or something. All right. He kind of comes up and brings up his arm to block it too, but you obviously, your hit swung a little harder and uh, it kind of rocks him a little bit. He staggers, and he looks at you and says, Huh, you hit pretty good. And he comes at you again with his uh, club. Does a 16 hit your AC? My AC is a 16. Ah, so it does hit your AC. Okay. Oh, no. Six damage. He brings his club around and clocks you with it. Ow. All right. What do you do? I'm going to keep fighting this guy if he's going to keep fighting me. Okay, you just going to come at him straight? Yeah. Okay. It's a 23. Uh, that's a hit. Mm, that's five damage. Get your bets in while you can, people. The mighty Kyorg is showing the upper hand. Okay, for the purpose of this fight, I want to play it less like straight combat and more like a street fight. Like, are you trying to knock him out? Are you trying to just hit him? Are you trying to be specific about where you hit him? You see what I'm saying? Are you trying to, like, knock him down? What are you trying to do? I don't want to kill him because I said at the beginning it's kind of like he challenged me. Yeah, I get that. I just don't really want it to be like we hit each other with our weapons over and over again. You see what I'm saying? I got you. I want you to think about how you want to affect him with your attacks. You just hit him with your mace. Where are you aiming? What are you trying to do? Okay, so... Break his kneecaps. <laughs> Break his kneecaps. I mean, that would be pretty cool. Sure would. Let's say I aimed at his arm that was holding the club. Okay, trying to make him drop that club? Yeah. All right, roll me an extra 20. It's a 19. Yeah, so we'll say that you swing for his arm and he tries to like dodge it. And the result is that the end of your mace crashes into the back of the hand that's holding that club. And when it does, it just rocks his hand and the club hits the ground and skirts across the dirt. Okay. He lets out a yell and he goes, stupid, stupid. And he just charges. He's going to try and grapple you to the ground. And I need you to roll me a strength save. Strength save. Yes. I'm going to save that strength. So that's a natural 20. Oh. Oh. Oh, so he runs at you to kind of wrap you up. What is your response? Are you going to try and hit him? Do you want to grapple him in return? Let's say this is like Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess when the goats come down the hill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to just like grab him by the shoulders, flip him over and throw him on the ground on his back. Okay. If that's possible. Yeah, sure. He rushes at you head low and he's just like going to try and grab you. But before he can get his hands on you, you just kind of reach down, grab him by the neck, and you do this like crazy twist, and you just sling him over your shoulder and just full-fledged body slam him on the dirt, and a dust cloud just comes up. And when you do, an audible goes through the crowd, (laughs) and as the dust settles, he's just kind of laying there, sprawled out, and his eyes are just dazed, like you give him a concussion. 
Yeah, boys. Nice. He's kind of acting like he wants to stir to get back up, but you're going to have a chance to do something to him before he can. I'm just going to go over and stand over top of him and put my foot on his chest. Okay. Be like, now you know what the name Cure is. Oh! All right, you do that, and uh, he, he kind of lifts up his head for a moment, but before he can say anything, his eyes kind of roll back in his head, and he conks out, passed out on the ground. You tell him, Kjorg, you tell him, the mighty Kjorg is victorious! You don't get, like, a roaring applause, but you do get a few, like, claps, and people are kind of like, oh, yeah, man, that was, that was really cool. Yeah, it was. So now I'm just going to walk into the bar. You turn around, head toward the bar, and there's some people, like, standing there. They just part for you. Yeah. Yeah, they do. That's what I thought. Brackwell, you've been looking in the window during this time, and what you've noticed is just that inside, it's much like it is out here, packed shoulder to shoulder. It seems like the staff is just slammed, busy, and things are just crazy in there. Do I recognize any of the staff? Yeah, you see some people that you've seen around. You don't necessarily spot Lelia, but you do see like some of the halflings that you would notice from in there, people like that. Cool. I kind of walk over to them and say, guys, I don't I don't think this is a, uh, a fruitful endeavor. Endeavor? Uh, what do you mean, Brack? What do you mean? Getting into the the, the barrel. <laughs> the champion has opened the way. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, if we can get in, let's go. <laughs> you, uh, Kjorg is walking toward people are just parting for him, and he walks through the front door. Yeah, I just didn't even notice all that happening. I mean, I could hear it, oh. <laughs> but I was I was too intent on finding Lelia. Sure. That's hilarious. You guys step inside, quick sweep of the room. You see most of the chairs are filled. There are servers running back and forth from the kitchen, from the, the bars littered with people. It's really loud in here. Uh, there aren't any fights or anything going on at the moment, but there's just a lot of noise. You look around, and Brackle, I'm sure you're scanning for Lelia. Kjorg, what are you doing when you walk through the door? Well, I mean, I just got out of fight, so I'm getting a drink. Yeah, I kind of thought you might. So you How about a drink tw- for the champion? Where's the halflings? Jeez. <laughs> you walk toward the uh, the bar, and Boren, the owner of, of the Barley Barrel, is sitting back there. He's serving drinks, and he's kind of talking to people, but he's he's in a rush, and he doesn't he doesn't really look up and notice you. Oh, here's again. Oh, peasant, peasant. No one responds to that. Hobbit, hobbit. You say hobbit, and like... A bunch of halflings look at you, and then they just look away from you and keep going about their business. I light up my cigar, and I, I take a big O intake, and, and then I blow, blow smoke all over the front of the bar. Okay. There, people are just kind of choking and coughing at it, and Boren looks up, and he comes over, and he's like, What's the what's the deal with all this smoke? What who Who's doing this? Ah, there you are, Hobbit. I've been calling for you. Boren walks up. He looks at you, and he says, Oh, yeah, I remember you. Yeah, you do. Champions of Brentshire. You may have noticed things are a little busy in here right now. If you're going to be rude, then you can just leave. Ignore him. I was actually looking to get a drink. Uh, well, sure. Uh, yeah, just give me just a second, and I'll, I'll be right back with you with, with a drink. Uh, it, it was it was Kjork, wasn't it? Yes. He kind of leans in and says, You might ought to do something about your friend before we get him thrown out of here. I can throw him out if you want. <laughs> <laughs> then he turns around to go, like, finish what he was doing, and then he'll get you a drink. Brackle. Yes. Roll me a perception check. That's the one where I look at things, right? You're looking. Okay. So, I got a 15. Okay, that's pretty good. You're standing there, you're looking around. You see halflings that you know, some humans that you know. 
it's it's what you'd expect to see, except it's full of strangers. You don't see Lelia waiting tables. You know, you look at every waitress. You're looking for anybody that would either be Lelia or somebody that might would know where she's at. And as you're scanning the room, the there's like bat wing doors that lead into the kitchen to the right of the bar. The doors swing open as someone's heading back, and you get a glimpse of someone that looked like they could be Lelia back in the kitchen. I waltz into the kitchen. All right, you head that way, and right as you're about to step into the kitchen, a halfling steps through and says, Whoa, 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 hey, uh, excuse me, sir, where, where do you think you're going? Uh, I'm looking for Lelia. Do you know where I might confound her? He looks up and he goes, Oh, oh, hey, hey, Brackle. Um, sorry, I... So I didn't. I didn't really recognize. I didn't realize who you were. Uh, yeah, she's. Uh, I think she's in the kitchen. Okay, uh, if it's all right, I want to try to step back here and. Sure, sure. Yeah, check. yeah, 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 yeah. That's fine. Whatever. And he, he just kind of continues on his way in a hurry. So I step back there. Okay, you step back, and uh, the kitchen is busy. I mean, it's not full of people that shouldn't be there, but it's full of people back there working. You know, you smell different meats being cooked, stews, things like that. And you see off to one side, there is a table where they're making bread. There's a halfling a man, human man standing there making bread, and Lelia is helping roll, uh, knead the dough and roll it out. So one thing before before we go any further right there, like after Brackle leaves, mm-hmm. Saul, in frustration, is going to look for, like, the most expensive-looking drink around, whoever's <laughs> drinking, like, I don't know, something in a glass, something that's not mead, you know? Okay. And uh, he's just going to walk over to whoever it is and, and take it from them and take a big drink because that he thinks it's his drink now. Right back to that. Brackle, you enter into the front, or into the kitchen, and there stands Lelia. Lelia. Upon hearing her name, she turns to see you. And when she sees you, it's like it doesn't register for a second. And then she's like, Brackle. And she runs over and she just gives you a big hug. Oh. I receive said hug. Which, you know, that's. You've been hugged by Lelia before, but it's not like every time you, you see each other, she gives you a hug. These are some pretty strenuous emotional circumstances. Are you okay? I, I see things have gotten rough here. Brackle, I'm, I'm so glad to see you. I. When you disappeared after that first day, I was I was terrified of what might have happened. I, I didn't know. Where have you been? I've been looking after some affairs with with our princess, but or not princess. What's she called? Well, they call her the princess. That's fine. I've been looking after the princess, uh, or trying to at least. Oh, Brianna. Yeah, uh, we were sent to go find her. We thought she might be in some trouble, but now. Things seem to be okay with her, so I've I've come back to try to help sort things out here. Oh, okay. Well, uh, things are bad. I've noticed. Has anyone? Has anybody threatened you? Has anybody harmed you in any way? No, not not me. Um, Boren, he's put me up in one of the rooms here. As soon as things started to go kind of south in the festival, he I came in just to get a meal, and he insisted that I stay here because he he figured to be safer here. Uh, I'll be sure to thank him well. I'm so glad to see you're okay. Just take care of yourself, okay? Try not to stay on the streets if you can help it. She looks at you and, like, tears are kind of, like, welling up in her eyes just a little bit. Not, like, flowing the tears, but, you know, just kind of. She says, Brackle, things are so much worse than we thought they were. How do you mean? I mean, we were all upset when we found out that Braxton opened up the festival to outsiders, but... I mean, people are being mugged. I, I heard someone got murdered on the west side of town the other day. I mean, <laughs> five minutes ago. Things like this have never happened. I've never seen anything like this in Branshire. What, what's going to happen to our city? Don't be afraid. 
Braxton will pay for what he's brought upon us. What we bring upon him, it'll be heaped tenfold. Ooh. Rackle, what are, what are you going to do? What can you do? Going to get biblical. I'm not sure yet, but believe <laughs> me when I say we're not alone in our efforts. You're not alone. She gives you another hug and she says be careful brackle she's getting huggy i'm always careful but i will be extra for your sake she gives you a kiss on the cheek and runs back to the bread table oh brackle so i swagger a little slightly you know swagger for brackle <laughs> out of the kitchen mm-hmm. and then instantly compose myself mm. and again resume my vigilance all right, you head back into the room. Saul, as Brackle turned to go into the kitchen, <laughs> oh my and uh, right around the time that Boren was going to procure a drink for Kjorg, Kjorg, Boren sits a drink down in front of you, and Saul has walked across the room to the middle of the room. He, he's not even looking at the people. like He doesn't even care. He's just looking at the tables, at the glasses. Yep. He sees wooden flagon, wooden flagon, wooden flagon. Everything looks totally normal. He walks across to toward, toward the back of the room, and he sees a glass. It's a short, round glass, uh, and in it he sees a very dark brown liquid. Uh, and he immediately walks up, grabs it, and just throws it back. Bam! Shot! 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 It shot. burns all the way down your gullet. Mm, tastes like home. Sets it back down on the table. Turns around to walk away. As you turn around to walk away, somebody grabs you by the shoulder and says, uh, "Excuse me, but that belonged to me." <laughs> no peasant that belongs to me you turn around there's a guy standing there he's probably right at six feet he's human he's bald on top but he's got like long hair all the way around the sides and the back he looks real like gross he looks like sweaty and just kind of heavy set ha missing some teeth you're a peasant that's all you are you don't know how to treat a prince a prince is among you i just had a drink you should be honored that i came to your table a peasant hey who do you think you are that was an expensive drink. Saul takes out his cigar uh, out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. The name's Sut Saurus, and it may be the last name you ever hear. While you're in the middle of saying that, he punches you right in the face. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, does a 20 hit your AC? Yes. Okay, so right when you're in the middle of saying, the name is Sut Saurus, and around the time you say and, he punches right through your cigar into your face. Oh, my gosh. And you take six damage. Oh, man. Guy's got a, a heavy uh, un, unarmed hit. Yeah, he's got a meat fist. I mean, he just Woo! punches you dead in your face. And when he does, you kind of scoot back. You hit a table and slide over a table and knock over like five people's drinks. I took like six damage. Is that what you said? Yeah, six damage. And everybody stands up and they're all kind of like yelling. Kjorg, you hear all this going on behind you. The telltale sound of a punch and a slide. It looks like... We have a new challenger. I'm going to chug my drink and then, like, grab Saul and put him in a... Mm -hmm. uh, What is that hold called where you put your arms under his (laughs) arms and put your hands on the back of his head so he can't move at all? Is it like a submission hold? Yeah. Well, it just keeps me from being able to reach There's a name for it. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know what it's called. I'm just going to, like, grab him like that and Mm -hmm. walk him to the door. That's all right. (laughs) As you're walking him toward the door, all these guys... That guy is walking forward. He said, hey, I've got business with him. There's no need for it in here. <laughs> I think I'll be the one to judge of that. Who are you anyways? His bodyguard? Let me loose your... I'm the people's champion, just trying to keep people safe. <laughs> well, this man right here owes me a drink. I'll buy you a drink. I don't want you to buy it. I want him to buy it. 
It's going to be 10 gold pieces. The only thing I'll buy you is a ticket to hell. Okay, I'm throwing him out the door. <laughs> okay, you throw Saul out the door? Yeah. All right, this guy starts walking toward the door. If you want his money, you can go take it, but not in here. <laughs> oh my gosh. He walks past you out the door towards Saul. <laughs> Hello, make-believe friends. (laughs) I don't know. We never did uh, come up with a good name for our fans. Uh, Make-believe friends. You're our make-believe friends, but you're also our real-life friends, you know? We're just just pals. Thank you so much for listening again to Make-Believe Heroes, this episode 21. We're back in the heat of it. Our party, all of them, if they're not all together, is back in Branshire. Man, Saul is so close to Misk, but he just has no idea. And that brings me great joy, because I'm a monster. But let's take a quick break from all that. I don't want to take long. This is another extra long episode. You know, some of these last few episodes might end up being a little longer than our typical fare, somewhere between an hour and an hour and a half. So I hope that you'll forgive us for giving you that extra 20 to 30 minutes of content. It's just kind of the way it's worked out, so... Hopefully you like that. Hopefully that's good for you. Haven't heard any complaints, so that's great. But anyhow, a couple of things to take care of real quickly in this, the middle section of the episode, the mid-roll, if you will. I always like to give a shout out to our sponsors, two of them, the first of which is DiceEnvy.com. DiceEnvy.com is a website that has all the dice that you could need for your gaming table. If you're interested in picking up some brand new dice, maybe you've made a new character and you need a special set just for them. It's something that I like to do personally when I'm playing a new character. I like to get a new set of dice specifically for that character. I had these really cool like foresty green ones for my three or four year campaign with Jeremy where I played a wood elf ranger named Lindir. Uh, and I had a blue and silver set for a gnome wizard that I played. And anyhow, if you're looking for a new set of dice, whether it's for a new character or just because you're like me and you have a problem and you just want all the dice, go to DiceEnvy.com. They occasionally have wooden dice. They have metal dice. They have acrylic dice. They have these awesome little D4s called Infinity Dice. Go check it out. They have great prices. They have an awesome subscription box. And if you use the code HEROES, you can get 10% off of your order. So go now to DiceEnvy.com and check that out. And while you're on the web, swing over to BattleBards.com to check out some of the awesome music, soundscapes, and sound effects that they offer that can add that extra quality to your table that your players will never forget. Something truly awesome, you know, some bombastic action music for the great fight that you've got planned, or some creepy cave ambience for the dungeon crawl. Whatever it might be, you can get that at BattleBards, and you can get a BattleBards Prime subscription with 15% off using the code Podcast. So thanks to everyone who has followed us on Twitter and on Facebook and keeps up with us. We really appreciate all that you guys do to interact with us, to engage. And if you have not gone onto Twitter and followed us, you should do so at MBH Podcast. And if you haven't followed us on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash MBH Podcast. If you would like to help out our show, there are two ways that you can do that right now. The first is by telling your friends about our show. Tell all of your D&D party about our show. Tell your friends at school, your friends at work, whatever. Anyone that you think might be remotely interested in a cool fantasy story, please tell them about MBH Podcast. Word of mouth is the best form of advertising, and that is really what this show is built on. So please help us out if you can. Another way that you can help us is by letting all those people perusing iTunes know that our show is great by leaving us a five-star review. Speaking of five-star reviews, I have a couple that I want to read today. And if you'd like to have your five-star review, you can go to iTunes or Stitcher.com on a browser and leave us a five-star review. Speaking of Stitcher.com, 
I have two five-star reviews from Stitcher.com that I want to read to you right now, and then I promise we'll get right back into the episode. So please stick around for that. The first review comes from The Lonely Cheese, entitled The Best Podcast Ever, parentheses, not kidding, in parentheses. This is the greatest podcast ever. The story is engaging, and the players are so funny. Every Monday is great just because I get to listen to a new episode. As Saul would say, this podcast is worthy of a prince of the nine hells. Keep up the great work. I think Saul probably would say that, in spite of the fact that he's not really a prince of the nine hells anymore. Come on, Saul. Just let it go. We have another review I want to read to you, also from Stitcher.com. This one comes from friend of the show, Jared TR08, entitled Awesome Show. Amazing show. Love the story and characters. You guys are awesome. Keep up the great work. I just discovered your podcast a few days ago, and I'm already 10 episodes in. I cannot wait for the next one. Sincerely, Jared. This review is actually from about eight months ago. Just blame me. Stitcher doesn't show reviews on the app, and I had no idea for a while that uh, they were separately on the browser. And so it, it got added into the mix a little late. But Jared, we are so thankful for your review if you listen to us on Stitcher and you want to leave us a review, all you got to do is use your browser to go to Stitcher and they'll let you leave us a five-star review over there. I don't know why that's not in the app. Come on, Stitcher. Put that in the app. That pretty much does it for this week. Uh, thank you all so much for listening in, for following along with us, and for taking the time to listen to this mid-roll. I know sometimes it can be frustrating to have the episode interrupted like this, but this is really my only chance to connect with the listeners directly. So I appreciate all of you that stick around and listen to our sponsors and the reviews that we get left each week. And remember, when we get back to those giveaways here very soon, this is where you'll hear about those in the episode. So stick around for that. And that is it for this week. Let's get back to some Dungeons and Dragons, where I think Saul is about to possibly lose a few teeth. Uh, Saul is going to have his venomous dagger out in one hand, his regular oh dagger in the other hand, and uh, furious. I mean, Saul is going to die in a bar fight. Brackle, <laughs> you walk out about the time that Kjorg throws Saul. <laughs> you just see Kjorg standing there as he throws Saul out the door, turns to the other guy, says, if you want him, just go outside get him. <laughs> so I turn around and walk back into the kitchen. I'm really going to die. So um, you're outside. You hit the dirt where Kjord kind of throws you down. You pretty quickly get yourself up and dust yourself off about the time that that guy walks out. And as he does, three guys walk out behind him. Oh, my, <laughs> oh my god! just kind of standing back there with their arms crossed. Okay. Three guys come out with him. Mm-hmm. I, oh, it's too late to deceive anybody. Yeah, that ship has long sailed. I'm way too mad for that crap anyway. I would like if there's to... three guys, I'm going to step out and get in between the other guys and that guy. We'll say that you're kind of standing behind them. Yeah, like I'm trying to tell them that, hey, this is not a gang fight. Okay, that's fine. This is a challenge between men. I would like to use uh, thaumaturgy because I'm rising up off the ground. Mm. I want to use thaumaturgy to like cover myself in flames. And I want to try to intimidate the guy who punched me in the face. And just see if I can get him to cow before I actually attack him. Like, both my daggers are coming out. My intention is that if I have to fight to the death, I will kill him. But at the same time, <laughs> I just want him to know that I'm more than just a uh, 
your average tiefling. So you want to what? Intimidate him? Yeah. All right, roll it. Oh my gosh. It's only a two on the dice. Oh boy. I got a plus five. I rolled a seven. Yep. He seems a little bit apprehensive at the sight of the fiery magics that you produce as you stand up, but he's not deterred by it. He steps up to you. He spits on the ground. He says, so you're going to pay me those 10 gold pieces or am I going to have to take it out of you? I uh, lace my dagger with poison. Oh okay. my gosh. And I say, oh, you'll be taking nothing or you'll be going to hell. I'm going to stick in his gut. Since it takes an action, and we're not exactly doing this in initiative order, sure. I'm going to say that, that in the, the amount of time it takes you, which we'll say is like six seconds, to summon the poison, as you're saying that, he's going to step up and take another swing at you. Mm. Oh, man, he's rolling just boss. That's like a 24 to hit. <laughs> yeah, he hit me, and uh, I'm going to interrupt with the Hellish Rebuke. Okay. You still take the damage, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a reaction. You go ahead and roll the damage first, and then... that's. Three damage, so that's not bad. Huh, it's bad. Saul has nine HP left. Oh wow, man, you're squishy. He's How gonna much? he's gonna point. I'm very squishy. I only have like eighteen HP total. I'm gonna point the dagger in his face in re- in reaction to him punching me again, and uh, just grin, just just smile at him with the, okay. the the venom dripping off that dagger for a hellish rebuke. So takes two D ten fire damage, right? He does a dexterity saving throw. He takes. Okay. 2d10 fire damage on a fill, and on a fill he takes half. Oh my gosh. Did he roll a nat 20? <sighs> roll a natural 20. <laughs> Are you serious right now? He's going to take no fire damage. <laughs> How's he going to take what? Even on a failed save, he takes half. Yeah, but typically, if you were doing this and you're a natural 20, I would say you take no damage. That's just typically the way I do it. But I'll tell you what, I'll let you roll 1d10 and he'll take half of that. How's that? That's a little better. He took three whopping damage. Okay. Okay. So that was my reaction. So when I actually get my turn, uh-huh. I'm going to like try to step past him like I don't care about you and just like slide that dagger across his ribs as I do at the same time okay. so that he can be completely, you know, just drugged with the venom. All right. Roll that attack. It'll be a plus five. That's a 16. That'll do it. He takes 1d4 plus three. That's five total. And then he has to make a save. A DC 15 constitution saving throw. All right. Mm, he rolled a 19. Crap. Total <laughs> after his modifier. It was actually a 17. So you take half damage on that? Mm-mm. Nope. It's totally... He just six, He just doesn't take poison this time. Ah, uh, mm. okay. We'll say that you cut him, but he was too quick and not deep enough to get poison into his bloodstream. He turns around and he's going to try and grab you. So I'm going to need a strength saving throw. Uh, I have a negative one to strength. Okay. I rolled a four. Okay. He also rolled a four total. Ooh. So I'm going to say... Dexterity? Um, I'm not going to say he grabs you because it's like contesting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that... We have a little slap fight real quick. We're just like... <laughs> yeah, he's got his hands on you, but when he tries to grab you, he accidentally trips and he like pushes you down trying to hold himself up and he knocks you prone lovely okay it's your turn i realized that that poison didn't hit him so i'm gonna try to as i stand back up not super flashy i just want to run it up his leg okay roll it i rolled a natural one ah saul is gonna die (laughs) what's happening saul is literally (laughs) 
going to die. <laughs> this is why you don't take people's drinks. <laughs> hey, the dice are speaking. Like, that's all I can say. I had to play my character. No, 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 no. It's great. I, I love it. I hope you get knocked out. In fact, have some inspiration. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I love it. It's just that the dice are going this way. There's your inspiration. In fact, I'll say that if you want to use it right now, then you can for that natural one. Pray that it's not another natural one. If it's a one, I will die. If it's a one... It's not. It's it's a five. It's okay. A five. five plus... Five. So ten. Yeah. Yeah. That's still not going to be enough. Um, I'm still going to die here, guys. You miss him. He just kind of like stumbles past you before you can react. Getting his leg, he steps right out of your way. You can still use your move action to stand up. Well, I mean, I'm going to start using my rogue stuff. Rogie, okay. rogie, rogie. I want to start like getting extra dodgy because I'm realizing that I've not killed him yet. You can't see that on Saul's face, but he, he knows it in his head. <laughs> you now realize that you have not killed this guy. You stand up. You kind of brace yourself, and he's going to come back at you again try and grab you a second time. Great. Oh, my gosh. It's a natural 20? No, it's not. Roll it. Roll your contestant string. 15. Holy cow. So I rolled a four again with modifier. So he comes at you and he grabs you. And when he does, you're able to shove back with all your might. And I don't know if it's where he just what didn't have his balance, but he stumbles back and you're going to get an opportunity attack right here. Yeah, I am. That's a 21. Okay. That hits 1d4 plus three. Okay. That's five. All right. You bring your dagger across his belly. And, uh, you know, it doesn't kill him or anything, but he lets out a yelp and he's like holding a big gash in his gut up. And he's like, oh, I'm going to kill you, little man. (laughs) I'm going to take your ears and wear them on my belt. Okay. At the sight of the blood coming out and like the guy like kind of holding his belly up, one of the guys that's standing beside Kjorg hunkers down and steps up like he's going to try and sneak up behind you. I'm going to try and stop him. Okay. You go to grab him. He turns around. And uh, he's going to try and pull away from you. So give me a strength v. strength. Natural 20. Oh, my gosh. I rolled a 19. (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, Well, it was actually been a 21 with modifier. So, yeah, he grabs your arm to, like, yank you and move you out of the way or to kind of throw you off balance. And it's like trying to move a stone pillar. You don't move an inch. How do you respond? This is a fight between men. Let them settle it. He's not going to let him settle it. I mean, he's going to go away from you. You're going to have to restrain him in some way. Okay. Well, then I'm just going to put him in a hold. All right. You grab him? Yeah. All right. As you grab him, one of his buddies turn, and he tries to come at you. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. How do you respond? The other two guys try to grab you. That's what they're going to do. The other two guys? Yeah. But you just rolled a natural 20 strength throw, so you are pumped right now i'm just gonna pick him up and throw him at them like side horizontal <laughs> all right you pick this guy i mean he's not a huge guy anyway he's probably like five ten. but you pick him up and you just broadside throw him right into him and he just barrels them to the ground and they hit the ground sliding uh brackle are you still in the kitchen <laughs> at this point i am in the crowd just kind of watching okay <laughs> i don't want to get involved <laughs> okay Saul, it's your turn um, oh, no, actually, it's the other guy's turn. My bad. It's his turn. He is going to rush you and try and punch you, and he misses. He swings wide. You know, this this bloody gut's really getting into his head. Saul just told him that uh, he's going to cut off his ears and wear it as a belt. So when as he staggers by, I'm just going to try to plant my dagger in his back, right, right in his spine. Oh, my oh, boy. You're going for a kill shot. Oh, yeah, and I just rolled a 17 on the dice, so 
That's a hit. That's a 22 total. Seven damage. Oh, no. And uh, technically, he would have to make the DC Constitution saving throw again. Well, technically, he only had seven hit points left. Oh, so I just dropped him to zero. So technically, you deftly stick the blade of your dagger into his spinal cavity. And he hits the dirt. Kjorg, you see that happen. Brackle, you see it happen. I'm going to go lean over him like I'm going to pull the dagger out. Oh, boy. And I'm, I'm not going to let him cut his ears off. <laughs> I'm going to say All I was right. getting ready to go for the ears. People standing around are not like clapping or cheering or anything. They are looking freaked out like, oh, crap. So is this guy like straight up cold dead? Um, He's dying. He's moments from death. I'm not going to say, I mean, since you didn't stab him in the head or the throat, you stabbed his spine, He's he's dying. I want to rush up and cast Cure Wounds. I was going to say. Okay. All right. Yes. <laughs> Brackle to save the Thank day. Thank you, Brackle. Kjorg, what do you do? What are you doing, Kjorg? Get I off of me. I was going to put, like, grab Saul. Okay. Yeah, you do so. You're so amped on that natural 20, you just grab him. This man attacked me. What are you doing? Shut your mouth. This isn't the place. You're pulling him back. Brackle, you run up. You cast Cure Wounds. You weren't supposed to kill a man because of a drink. It heals him five. Okay. I mean, that's enough to close up his spinal wound. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm assuming that's what you were going for, the kill wound. Yeah, I'm trying to heal him to a point where he's at least not permanently maimed. Yeah, I'll say that you <laughs> you react and, I mean, you're able to, with magic, heal his spine injury within moments of it occurring. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's not going to have some lasting effects from this. Oh, boy's going to be limping. But he's alive. He's unconscious still. He punched Saul in the face. He's laying face in the dirt. Saul, uh, you are being restrained by Kjorg. Brackle, you've just saved this man's life. <laughs> so Thank I you, stand Brackle. up and say, he's fine. Any of his friends here want to tend to him? Yeah, a couple of those guys that were thrown into the ground by Kjorg, they kind of run over, they grab him by the arms, and they just kind of pick him up and carry him off. And they're darting their eyes back at you as they go. I, I just kind of turn around and walk off like I'm not involved. You walk back inside or <laughs> walk away? I just kind of walk down the street, but as I pass Kjorg and Saul, I cut eyes at them like, follow me. You know? Right. Just, I'm just like, cut eyes at them like, this is not good. <laughs> it's, yeah. I'm gonna play catch up to Brackle and be like, what did you do that for? It's like, you can't kill people. He ruined a good cigar. Yes, but a life is much more valuable than a cigar. There's always more cigars, but a life can never be replaced. Wise words from Brackle. You you actually care about these people. That man has issues. I don't know his life. I don't know his situation, but he wasn't threatening anyone. He wasn't unprovoked harming anyone. There's a code. Kjorg, are you right there with him? I'm just catching up. Okay. <laughs> You have a strange land indeed. Strange. Very strange. Uh, by the way, my face is bleeding. Any chance you can fix that? No one's fixing that for you after you just tried to kill a man over a drink. Kill a man? Ha! So as you all are walking through the crowd, I'm assuming trying to kind of blend in, a familiar face walks up to you from the side. It's Zon. Well, that was a mess. <laughs> I just grunt. What were you thinking, Saul? 
I was thinking... Let's be honest. These people need to learn some respect. You weren't thinking. Did we not discuss on the way here how important this is? Did you not think that you just murdering a man in cold blood right in the middle of the main street in Branshire could potentially ruin our chances of accomplishing our mission? Well, of course, but my honor would be intact. And aren't we here to kill a man in cold blood anyway? Look... Braxton Tarek is a villain. He is a monster. He is hurting everyone in this city. And no one said anything about cold-blooded killing him. Isn't that the last resort? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, if that's what Kjorg wants. Now you've gone from being the ones that were most well-known for saving the town to being the ones that almost killed a man in front of the whole public. What are you talking about? Brackle spared him. He looks at Brackle and he says... Thank you, Brackle, for your quickness. You certainly spared us the great, great troubles that were coming our way had that man died there on the ground. Storing what I had to do. I had planned for us to commune in the barrel for tonight, but now we can't stay there. We won't be able to get rooms. I've, well, I mean, you three won't. I suppose I still could. <laughs> uh, we have accommodations that could possibly be advantageous. Oh, what sort of accommodations are we speaking of here? <laughs> well, Braxton volunteered to let us stay at his place. Oh, no, no, no. You're welcome. It was my idea. He was coerced. Ah. But we'll be staying in a den of vipers this evening. That could be advantageous. Indeed. Dangerous as well, but it's worth the risk, I think. He doesn't stop walking, but he stops speaking for a minute. He kind of taps his chin, he says... If you were going to complete some sort of ritual, something secret and nefarious, where would you do it? I would do it in the wilderness, among the spirits of the forest. <laughs> I would do it in the open in front of my army. Where would Braxton Tarek do it, though? He would probably do it in Circle Street. Hmm. Perhaps. Well, it depends on the nature of the thing. I, I am not... My magic is more utilitarian than profound in ways of rituals and rites. So it's possible he could do... It depends on what he needs, where there's just too many variables. I would think with all of his talk of ceremony and all of his talk of spectacle, it's something he wants to do in the open. Did you learn anything from him? In your discussions, what's his plan for the the end of the festival? We know that that's of some import. He claims to have these foreign objects known as fireworks. Ah, fireworks. I've he heard tell of them. Yes, yes, I know fireworks. What what for? It's part of the the closing ceremonies, part of the festivities. He he also wants us to be paraded. Oh goodness, he wants us to be paraded in front of the town. As heroes, even though just uh, the very thought brings me pain. It's probably hmm. not a good idea for Saul to be paraded after he just basically killed someone in the street. That could be our out. <laughs> hmm. Or, you know, you can be paraded and I can watch from the crowd. Uh, is there any way we can make you look like me so that I can... I can look like anything I need to look like. Never mind. Who knows what you would do in my name? Uh, no, that's true. That, that was a bad idea. I didn't think it was. I would make the people fear and respect you, of course. Respect, anyway. Look, 
the resistance is going to move tomorrow. They're coming tomorrow. They have to. It's it's tomorrow's the last day. We know that Braxton has called for reinforcements and that they are to arrive tomorrow. So it would appear that they are expecting something. Don't worry, don't worry. We'll kill the man in the night. I'm not certain that that is the best course of action. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that he'll survive all of this, but you've heard the saying, cut the head off the dragon, you know, two more appear in its place. That's what I was trying to think of earlier. (laughs) Well, we have no way of knowing. Perhaps Braxton Tarek isn't the only one who can... Whatever he has planned, it is more, as I've told you, than just taking Branshire for himself. There is a greater risk, need I remind you. So this firework shipment he has planned, I'm skeptical that that's what it is. Would it be ideal for us or perhaps some agents if we can contact them in time to intercept and at least inspect the shipment? He pulls out a scroll and he says, I have the ability to send a message to the leaders of the resistance. I'm going to send them a message tonight with instructions. They're going to head this way during the wee hours of the morning. They plan to be near enough to march on Branshire by midday tomorrow. But when I do, I will inform them of Braxton's plans. I will also inform them that you are going to be staying in his house tonight. And if you trust me, I would recommend that you use this opportunity to try and discover Braxton Tarek's true plan and his true intentions. People with pride such as Tarek tend to make silly mistakes in keeping their secrets. Perhaps there is some documentation, some note, or some spell or explanation of the ritual or, or whatever. Maybe maybe he has a room in the first house that he's prepared for this. Or hmm. What of Bridget? Have you seen the Lady Bridget? Have you spoken with her? No, he, he claims that she's infirm at the moment. Ugh. I offered to help, and he seemed to not not be uh, okay with that. But my, my goal is to find my way to her room, perhaps through the trellis or climbing along the outside if need be, to check in on her. Uh, it's one of my top priorities. I just don't want to uh, mess up the rest of our plans skulking around his home. After hearing what uh, Zahn says, Saul started to uh, sober up and calm down quite a bit. He kind of gets some little bit of memory of that name and what it did to him. Mm-hmm. So, Zahn, place where they would a sacrifice or a ritual or... A- is there a great temple here? A temple? Well, there's the Temple of Pelor. I say we go there. I say we check there first. <laughs> I, I mean, follow your own intuition, but I can't imagine there being any place like that in the temple. It is certainly a holy and revered place. Yes, and so if I was going to create an evil ritual, I would do it there, so to blaspheme your god. Yes. Desecration would seem to be a mighty act. Hmm. In defiance of those who are faithful. Well, follow your own thoughts. You have one night. I recommend that you all use it wisely. Yeah. See what you can discover. So how about uh, how about you stop this bleeding? He looks at you, he says. What do you want me to do about it? I look at Brackle. Like, come on, man. Just wipe it off. I'll do a medicine check to bandage the wound. Okay. Uh, natural 20, so 22. Oh, wow. So, 
Uh, well, the nat 20, I'll actually let you add 1d4 of hit points. Who's rolling it, him or me? Or you can roll it. I got a three. Okay, you regain three hit points and bleeding slows. Yay. The festival for the day is coming to a close, and by the time he says that, the first bell goes off, marking the end of the day. Go back to Tarek's home, buddy up to him, and see what you can discover tonight. So we shall. The time for supper approaches. We'll suss out what we can and sneak out what we can. All right, I will be preparing things on our end and getting ready for the resistance to move in. We do have friends in Branshire. We have those that are here that are planning to fight with the resistance, and I'm working to increase those numbers. We may yet have a fighting chance, men. <laughs> We've always had a fighting chance. Look at Kjorg. Yeah, it's about time to acknowledge my strength. He looks at the three of you. He says, Paylor, go with you. And he turns around. He walks toward the barley barrel. And with you, my friend. Is your plan to head back to Braxton Torex now? Yes. Okay. The three of you turn. You make your way back through Circle Street. With the sounding of the bells, people are starting to disperse to head. Most of them are heading toward the gates heading outside of town to their tents for the night. And you all pretty swiftly make your way to an inner street, head toward the core. And you're approaching the doorstep of the first house, the residence of Mayor Braxton Tarek, as the final bell tolls. And that's where we'll end this session. Oh. Saul almost died. I mean, that almost happened. Saul is an idiot. Saul's so dumb. <laughs> Saul's so dumb. That was intense. It was. I wasn't sure what to do, so I did nothing. I was literally about to stop him because I seen he was literally going to kill the guy, and then he just basically did kill the guy. He killed the guy. I mean, if it weren't for Brackle having a cure wound spell, that dude would be dead, and you would all be in some serious trouble. (laughs) I mean, Saul would be. It was going to be bad. Yeah, Brackle distanced himself pretty well. It was going to be bad. It's going to be real bad. All right. That does it for this week. Hope that you enjoyed this episode of Make Believe Heroes. We will see you next week when we find out what happens inside the home of Braxton Tarek. Bye. See ya. Bye.